Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross. Suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now... Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this Tuesday, July 21st, 2015 edition. And I am honored that you are tuned into the broadcast tonight, folks. I broadcast weekdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Worldwide Christian Radio. The foreword of my book was written by... My next guest, he is one of my favorite people on this planet. I'm convinced he's a walking encyclopedia. I love this man so much. He is the highly acclaimed climatologist and renowned historian, and he was a professor for 25 years, and he was adored by his students, and I certainly adore him myself. And he actually co-hosted with me the first year that I did radio, The chance to have called him my co-host is one thing, but the chance to call him my friend is an absolute honor. Tim, it's so great to have you on the show today. Well, thanks again, and I always say thanks for the opportunity, and I really mean it. So just so everyone knows, I'm kind of testing the water on doing a Friday show that is a news summary wrap-up. It's kind of a, to kind of really touch on a lot of the news pieces that are going on. I haven't done that in a while, and I'm thinking of using Fridays to do that. Something like I'm going to do here today on the show, give some insight on some of the headlines that are going on. And... Who better to give insight than one of the smartest men I know, which is precisely the reason why I was so honored to have you write the foreword to my book, Tim. So thank you again for doing that, writing the foreword on this book. Well, it's more than a book. It's it's guided because the timing of it and what what, uh, you covered in it is so appropriate. Um, it, it's it's been guided because you know what the Pope is doing, essentially uh, acting like the Antichrist, and so to uh, have a book out that explains how it's culminated in this, the timing couldn't be better, and hopefully, uh, it will open people's eyes and, and open their minds to what what is actually happening. 
Well, you know what's stunning to me is, did you see, the, was it the president of Bolivia? He gave the Pope a hammer and sickle. Did you see what was on it? Yes, well, of course, the, the hammer and sickle, particularly the hammer part of it, has been used like a, a, a crucifix, and there's there's the body of Christ attached to the sickle of the hammer and sickle. So it, it's blending communist symbol with Christianity symbol. It was a gift to the Pope by the president of Bolivia, who of course is a, a declared Marxist. It's the most sickening symbolism uh, that, that you can imagine. Christianity isn't an ideology, it's a religion. Marxism is an ideology, but but to put the symbol of, of the Marxist ideology together with the symbol of Christ on the cross, it is it only the devil could have created something like that. Yes. I mean, there's, there's no other no other explanation for it. Are you surprised with the growing threat? Of course, ISIS. Are you surprised that this is ramping up so fast with all this Islamic threats? No. No, it, it's all part of uh, what's going on on a global scale. When you look at what's going on with the Muslim religion, and of course, as you know, throughout the history of Christianity, it has been the battle between Christianity and, and Islam. And so uh, that's coming to fruition. Ironically, America, which was created as the bastion of Christianity around a political system that recognized the free will that God gave people has become the messenger, the conduit, where you've got John Kerry, who made the connections with the Pope when he visited the Vatican uh, several months ago. And of course, what's, what's um, particularly disturbing about that is that everybody thinks John Kerry is a Catholic Irishman from Boston. The truth is that the family name was Cohen, and they changed the name when they left uh, Europe to uh, move to the United States. And, of course, they come there and, and, and present themselves or convert to Christianity, and John Kerry did that. And, and here they are, uh, or he here he is, John Kerry, who, by the way, has a really evil history he went off uh, to the Vietnam War. It's all been well-researched. He knew that the only way he could, first of all, he couldn't get out of the, the draft. He had to go. But, of course, typical of, of uh, Kerry, he exploits everything for his own agenda. He knew that if he got three Purple Hearts, he would be automatically be repatriated, that his tour of duty would end with the third Purple Heart, he got two, and he couldn't get the third one. Now, the, the two that he got were, you know, for minor injuries. But the third one, he couldn't, he couldn't get an injury that any doctor would sign off on as uh, earning a Purple Heart. And he tried several doctors, and the doctors who he approached are on record of saying what he was doing. But he finally got a doctor to give him the third Purple Heart, and of course he's immediately repatriated. And what does he do? He scurries back, immediately appears before Congress, condemning the war, condemning what, what uh, the soldiers are doing, and um, turns it into a complete political exercise. He is the consummate exploiter of things to advance himself. 
it's so self-serving that it's the sort of thing that only the devil would do. He married for money. His first wife was very wealthy. He divorced her, and he got a very large amount of money out of it. He then married, of course, uh, Heinz, Teresa Heinz, who was the a billionaires from the Heinz uh, Ketchup Company, and he married her. And the joke about John Kerry became that he was cash and Kerry. This is the, the, the low level that uh, uh, the people have for this man. But he was the one that orchestrated getting the Pope involved. Now, of course, the Pope was very, very willing to participate because, of course, the Pope coming out of Argentina and out of the, the Marxist ideology that goes on in most of those South American countries. It's not just Bolivia, it's Peru, it's Venezuela, it's Cuba, Argentina, and so on. Of course, the Pope was the, the perfect candidate to advance the uh, cause of Marxism through the church, but also the cause of global warming as the vehicle. Because, of course, Kerry and the gang, John Holdren in the White House and Obama himself, are, are believe that capitalism has created global warming and therefore is destroying the earth. And that suits the Pope's message very well. The reality is that, that they represent completely different views of people and the world. What is the scoop with this Iran deal, Tim? There are rumors flying around about Obama scheming to pass a bad Iran nuke deal. What are your thoughts on it? It's a terrible, terrible deal. I agree with the Charles Krauthammer when he said that it is the worst deal since the um, Munich Agreement, the appeasement with Hitler in 1938. The parallels of that are right there. But you, what you've got to, um, to, to realize is that Iran, of course, and, and by supporting that, what Obama's doing is, is taking one side in one of the oldest civil wars, ongoing civil wars in the world, that is between the Sunni and the Shia. And uh, civil wars, of course, are the most deadly, the most destructive, the most evil. And Obama, by signing with the, with the Iranians, has taken one side in a civil war and that's the worst place that he could put america in because of course as another cohen saul cohen wrote in a book called geography and politics in a divided world he said that no superpower can get involved in the middle east and of course at that time he was talking about the soviet union and america he said no no superpower can get involved in the middle east without automatically alienating 50 percent of the people and so of course that's what obama's done he's taken sides with iran and of course the reason is that iran has publicly stated that they want the elimination of Israel and the death of, of the Jewish people. And of course, that, uh, that is why their, their, uh, Iran is, is funding Hezbollah and funding Hamas. And Hamas has it in their charter. It's actually stated in their charter that they, they are going to eliminate the, the Jewish people in the Israeli state. And Obama has, has taken uh, the opposite side on that.
It's going to lead to uh, a nuclear holocaust. And the reason is because now that Iran has the nuclear bomb, then the other side, and by that I mean Saudi Arabia and and the uh, other countries on the other side of the, that religious war, will have no choice but to arm themselves with nuclear weapons. And, and so it is all so evil where you where you are are taking sides and and supporting people who without hesitation and openly i mean in the week that that obama signs the deal with iran that they're chanting death to america in the streets yes and and the um iranian leader came out and said look just cuz we signed this deal doesn't mean to to say we're going to stop arming the terrorism uh, that's going on throughout the Middle East. So Obama's gained absolutely nothing. But of course, Obama is himself Muslim, and he's opposed to Christianity. He's opposed to America, which represents Christianity. He's opposed to America, which he claims represents imperialism, which of course is the obsession that he got from his father, who was um, a Kenyan terrorist who opposed the British Empire. And there was some justification for that, but it certainly uh, doesn't justify accusing America of being an empire builder. America goes in, tries to free nations, get them set up in democracy, and then leaves them alone. Speaking of empire builders, and I think he's a clown, but what do you think of this whole Donald Trump deal? Well, there, there was a book back in the 60s that was very popular. It was called The Ugly American. And um, Americans, well, all people that travel overseas, tra tourists are, are ugly people at the best of times. But, but Americans traveling through the world developed a reputation for arrogance and bombast and, and, uh, and so on. And, of course, that's what this book was all about. And it was actually titled The Ugly American. And, and Trump represents all that is bad about bragging, greedy, you know, thoughtless America. In other words, all of the worst sides of capitalism is personified in Trump. And this is another side of the Trump issue that you don't hear talked about. One of the problems that America has, and I, I want to preface this by saying, I think America it was on the right track with the founding fathers. They're drifting away from that, and they're drifting away from Christianity. But one of the things that Trump represents is, of course, the worst. Now, what's happened in America is that they have reached the point, because they don't have a way of recognizing leaders, that is, people who have God-given ability to lead others, to lead them to good things, to lead them forward in positive things, to lead them in moral things. Um, they have fallen back on assuming that if you make a lot of money, you're therefore a good person. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. One of the ugliest people of the 20th century was Al Capone. He made a fortune off of alcohol, off of drugs, off of prostitution. But what did they end up putting him in jail for? Tax evasion. Yeah, tax evasion. They couldn't nail him on all of the really evil things that he was doing. They didn't even try to nail him on those things. 
They got him on tax evasion. And, of course, why do the Americans see tax evasion as such a terrible thing? Well, because, you know, you, you've got to pay your taxes because if you don't fund America, then you're anti-American. To not pay taxes is anti-American. And when you look at the IRS and, and the power that they were given, the power to get taxes, uh, make people pay their share, and so that's what they ended up nailing Al Capone with. The fact that they could have put him in jail for a thousand other things is absolutely shameful. And of course, what's interesting about it, it's like a friend of mine once said about a crooked politician that we both knew. And they, they finally put him in jail for minor drug thing or something. And, and, and my friend's comment about it, I said, what do you think about it? And he said, well, they, it's like hockey. They, they called him for tripping, but they could have called him for hooking or slashing or you know, <laughs> about a dozen other crimes. And, and, and I'm afraid that that worship of people that make money, and it doesn't matter how you make it, the fact that you've made money somehow gives you a moral quality uh, and the right to say whatever you want. And Trump personifies that absolutely. He truly is the modern ugly American. He truly is. And speaking of incredible absolute mind-numbing insanity here what is your take on this confederate flag ban well the confederate flag thing is is, is very interesting um in terms of the fact that um almost i haven't heard anybody and i'm, go I'm going to tell you what's behind it uh, i have not heard anybody mention this well uh, before you do that i'm going to yep. give you some um, an assessment and i want you to rate me on okay. what i think it is okay now this is what i believe and i mean the censorship of the confederate flag first of all is an absolute travesty to the first amendment if you yep. were offended by the confederate flag folks then you've been indoctrinated by the communist left to feel that way i think the flag is part of American history, a battle flag flown by the South to defend itself from federal intrusions and assaults by one of America's most prolific violators of the U.S. Constitution, Abraham Lincoln. The Civil War was not about slavery. It was about states' rights. It was about an industrialized North pounding on an agriculturally rich South. Slavery was a very small side issue. And I mean, slavery is wrong, and this is a travesty in our history, but it was abolished, and it had nothing to do with the flag, in my opinion. That's a very interesting uh, take on it, and for 99% for of it, I would agree with you. But you did touch on what I'm going to point out that nobody's talking about when you mentioned the word history. You see, one of the things that Marx and Saul Alinsky, of course, who is the modern Marxist, what they say is the 12 rules for radicals. The first thing is you take control of the economy and you do it by taking control of the health system, which, of course, is what Obamacare is all about. And it was what, after the Second World War, they kicked Churchill out and they put Clement Attlee, a socialist, in charge. The first thing he brought in was nationalized medicine. And in Canada, when uh, the the NDP, which was originally the, the, the CCF, it was a socialist party to the core, that was the first thing they brought in was socialized medicine because that gives you control of people and their lives. When, when, you, when you've got a sick person, they're at your mercy. 
And that, that, of course, what Alinsky says. But the next thing that you do as a Marxist or an Alinskyite is you rewrite the history to create the monsters and the bogeymen and the bad people that you want to target. And that's the underlying issue that's going on with the flag. They're, they're, they've got rid of the flag and they're, they're doing it to rewrite history as you uh, identified. The next thing will be, of course, that there'll be attacks on the American flag as representing colonialism and all of the symbols that are historic, whatever was associated with them, they're part of history. And so, of course, what you have to do is rewrite the history because, as it is well known, history is written by the victors. And so Marx says, if you rewrite the history, then you become the victor. And that's exactly what's going on. The flag issue, that's the larger goal behind what is happening. I guess, how long will the public's suckerdom continue here with all this shuck and jive going on? And yet, you know, I was really stunned because even now there's news sources going around saying, oh, yeah, Jade Helm has been debunked. I mean... What is that all about? Because let's not forget here, folks, that if Obama is under a situation of martial law, you know, he, he remains as president. Well, of course, and, and he's the commander in chief so so that the troops would have to bow to his demands. But but the interesting question is um, he's he's uh, look at the number of generals that he's fired got rid of. We talked about this briefly, I think, in a program a, a, a couple of times ago. He's decimating the, the U.S. armed forces. And of course, then of the few that are left will still be under his control as the, as the um, uh, commander-in-chief. He's decimating the, the U.S. military in terms of, of its protecting the United States against the spread of communism, which is what Reagan built it up for. Central to the U.S. military strength was the task forces. These were great fleets of ships that sailed the oceans of the world constantly. Each of the fleets of ships were centered around a very large aircraft carrier, and Nine of those aircraft carriers that are all nuclear powered are now anchored in Norfolk, Virginia, not under commission. At the, at the same time, they're reducing the submarine fleet. And what's happening? China now has 70 nuclear submarines. And yet hardly anybody knows about this. Now, if he reduces the strength of the American military, then... They're, they're going to be more under his control and less likely to resist because he's building up the strength of the uh, uh, homeland security. And we see all the weapons that, that are being bought for them, um, the, the numbers of people that are now becoming involved. And, of course, that's how Marxist dictatorships take control. It's like Stalin had Beria, who was his secret police chief who did all the dirty work for him it's like hitler who was a socialist and the ss that he created and so what obama's doing is demilitarizing the military and building up a separate police force amongst the bureaucrats 
and therefore it will be controlled by the politicians. But I just wanted to um, read you another comment of what's going on here. This was attributed to Lord Macaulay, although he didn't actually say it. This is a letter written to an American fr- to American in 1857. And I think about that, 1857, long time ago and not long after America was formed and 10 years after Canada was created. And he wrote, a democracy cannot survive as a permanent form of government. It can last only until its citizens discover that they can vote themselves largesse from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority who vote will vote for the candidates promising the greatest benefits from the public purse, with the result that a democracy will always collapse from loose fiscal policies, always followed with a dictatorship. Wow. Now, that, that's 1857. And, of course, that's, that's what uh, Obama is orchestrating. 1857 isn't that the year david rockefeller was born no i'm kidding but how are these guys living to be a hundred years old well of course when when you can afford the best medicine and and uh, all of these other things and and we don't know what else that they're doing but but die already yeah people you say to people what why are people living longer and in better health they say oh in medicine not true 80 percent of what has caused longer life and better health is better nutrition and clean water. Only 20% of increased long, longer life is due to medicine. And if wow. you want to prove that, go and look at those countries, the developing countries, the African countries, the other countries, where the medicine is not available to them, but their life expectancy are going up because the food supply and the clean water that is available to them is increasing it. So, you know, these are sorts of of distortions and myths that allow people like the Rockefellers to to create lies and to create control. And when, when you look at the pharmacy and the pharmaceutical business, the power that it has, just truly frightening. Well, speaking of truly frightening, I want to get into a story that a lot of people are emailing me about. There's a story, and this is the report, Planned Parenthood doctor admits to selling aborted baby body parts. This is a factual story, Planned Parenthood. Now, Margaret Sanger, if people look her up, she was the devil in disguise. This woman Mm -hmm. actually was a big proponent of sterilizing everyone. She was a big eugenicist she was a hardcore satanist this was the founder of planned parenthood their logo should be killing one infant at a time it's unbelievable you know that these eugenicists these depopulationists like good old slick billy gates bill gates is a he's the modern face of eugenics And these people have a penchant for wiping out the population, and it is incredibly insidious. So the headline goes on to say that this senior advisor for Planned Parenthood was sitting across from a couple, and she was explaining what are the best body parts, what are the most popular, how the procedure goes down. I mean, this is straight out of the bowels of hell. Why are the pastors not talking about this? Why are pastors in the pulpit not in a fervent uproar and shutting Planned Parenthood down? It is just an abomination. 
these are the people at the helm of plan. Planned Parenthood is about planning to not parent. Again, straight out of the bells of hell. Well, it, there are no words to describe it. It's an interview and, and a discussion that you you associate with, with the Nazis, with Mangala. It, it, it's, it's no different. It's absolutely no different where, you, where you're taking a living being and, and killing it by crushing it and then taking the parts and selling them off for profit. It is, it is the ultimate in obscenity. But here's the thing, Sheila. You mentioned Bill Gates. But you know who who gives more money to Planned Parenthood than any other person? George Soros? Ted no, Turner? No, no. Warren Buffett. Oh, Warren Buffett. I thought of him, too. The multi-billionaire. The stock market manipulator. I just heard that George Soros bought a Greek island. Oh, of course. But, Switching gears you know, a little bit, Tim, what yeah. do you do you think, and I'm I'm just curious about this because of course we hear that China's promoting greater use of the yuan in global trade and investment as a reserve currency. Do you think this global currency is in sight? Do you think there's a chance that China could go for a gold backed world reserve currency? Oh, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, as you know, uh, they set up the current world economic system at uh, Bretton Woods after the Second World War. And um, it was functioning well when gold was the, the, the base of it. Uh, an ounce of gold was worth 32 American dollars. And that became a global standard that was reasonable, that wasn't based upon greed or anything else. Of course, the person who who brought that down and is allowing China to do what it's doing and, and to have people talking about a world currency. And notice, by the way, um, that the other day, Francois Hollande, who's the prime minister of France and a socialist, has called for a world currency and a world government. Come, these same things are coming along. But the person who brought down what was a reasonably well-worked-out, rational, uh, controlled system was Charles de Gaulle. Yes. Because, because de Gaulle was an, an egomaniac. He wanted power. I mean, you go and read what Winston Churchill had to say about de Gaulle and having to deal with him. And, of course, the, the name de, when you got de Gaulle, it does, just, doesn't mean de in the sense of D-U-H, although it should be de. But de in, in France means that you are an aristocrat. The aristocrats still control France, despite the, despite the French Revolution and all of that stuff. And, and um, in fact, I'll tell you the degree to which they still control. In order to become a prime minister, um, Giscard d'Estaing wasn't his real name. I don't know the guy's real name, but he bought that name off of an aristocrat uh, out of a, a, a he bought, bought it through the mar. I don't know how he got it, but somehow he paid for it from a family that had had died out. There were no more heirs to the name Destang. He bought the name because he knew with the D in his name, he could get to be elected to prime minister of France. And and so that that aristocratic thing still goes on. It happened with Ed, when Edward Heath was the Prime Minister of Britain, and somebody on television said to him, Mr. Heath, despite all of the uh, 
concessions given by the aristocrats, by the by the the, the royal family, um, uh, parliament, and all these things that that ten percent of the people control ninety percent of the wealth. And he said, "Yeah, it's still true." And then he made the mistake of saying, "And yeah, that's the way it should be." And of course, that's what Prince Philip and Prince Charles and all these people believe. Uh, but de Gaulle, what de Gaulle did was that he wanted to undermine the strength of the U.S. in Europe. He didn't like the idea that, that the Americans were staying in Europe, even though they set up the Marshall Plan and helped build up the European economy, and, and they maintained troops there to keep uh, communism at bay. De Gaulle didn't want any part of that. And in fact, de Gaulle deliberately pulled the French out of NATO. He said, no, I will not participate in NATO. And a lot of people don't know that. But what he did was he suddenly looked, he said, oh, I've got two, bil two billion American dollars. And on it, it says, we'll pay the bearer in gold. So he went to Lyndon Johnson and said, hey, I want my gold. And of course, Lyndon Johnson got caught because he was cooking the books too. And what was Johnson doing? Johnson was spending the gold out of Fort Knox to pay for the war in Vietnam because he knew he couldn't get the, the people to pay taxes, more taxes to pay for the war. Right. And, and, and of course, so suddenly Johnson gets caught. I remember so vividly a, a press conference where Johnson came out and said, well, you know, we're going to have to tighten our belts and we're going to have to, he said, we're going to have to learn to lead, ha eat hamburger instead of steak. And a reporter said, I didn't elect you to tell me that. I elected you to get me steak at a price I could afford. <laughs> and, 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 and of course, Johnson, as a result of that and the problems he had about lying about the Vietnam War, didn't run again. De Gaulle, of course, then, by asking for his, his money in gold and finding out the Americans didn't have the gold to back their dollar, and of course, as you know, the price of gold has gone through the roof since. That was, was where the real turmoil began. Well, and now there's actually some articles on gold that are saying gold is disappearing now. Well, of course, one of the things that the, where gold is found, um, Russia has by far the largest reserves of gold. Uh, South Africa has, has a great deal, and of course the, the diamonds and, and all of that stuff, and the De Beers family, and their involvement in all of these, funding all of these um, functions. But the De, Be De Beers were, were seen in, in uh, Moscow, even when the Soviets were in, were in control, because of course these markets operate independent of the wars that the people are being made to fight and die for. And one of the things that happened dur during the Cold War was that the Soviet Union effectively controlled the price of gold. And the way they did it was they were the biggest producers. They had a warehouse at Geneva Airport in Switzerland, which, of course, was neutral. And they had thousands of troy ounces of gold there. And... What they would do, uh, because, of course, their Soviet economy, their, their Marxist economy didn't work and was failing. And so what they would do was stir up trouble in some part of the world, which, of course, then immediately made the gold price go up. And they then then dumped the gold from that uh, warehouse in, in Geneva into the market and gained and, and got an awful lot of money out of it. Now, similar things were going on. For example, I worked with the Canadian Wheat Board, and they knew 
when communist China was going to start buying wheat from Canada because all of a sudden gold and jade and precious metals and, and precious objects would start appearing in Hong Kong which the communist Chinese never took over because it was their bank to the world. And, of course, what they were doing was getting um, dollar, dollars so that they could pay cash for Canadian wheat. They bought it with the American dollar. The poor Canadian farmer was getting $3 a bushel. And what the Chinese communist government were doing, which is state capitalism, they were forcing their own people to eat the wheat when normally they didn't eat wheat and wheat products. And then they took the rice from their own people and sold it on the world market at $4 a bushel. So they made a dollar a, a bushel difference between the wheat they were making their own people eat and the rice they were selling on the world market. And, and, and all of these uh, uh, capitalistic trading practices were going on around the world regardless of, of what uh, the people were suffering and the, and the, the young soldiers being made to die for, it, it, it was all at a completely different level. And of course, it's what you have identified so well in the book with the undermining of Christianity and, and the expansion of Marxism at the expense of, of the people. One of the things I touch on in the book in a chapter is, of course, the patron green saint to the environment and his green theology, the good old Pope, where we started off at the beginning. Now, he's visiting the UN in September. I believe it's September 25th during its annual gathering of world leaders. And they're, of course, springboarding into the 2015 Paris Climate Conference in December yep. for the first time in over 20 years of UN negotiations, it aims to achieve a, this is from their website, a legally binding and universal agreement on climate. What do you predict is going to happen at the UN in September? And then what's going to happen in Paris, do you think? Well, fortunately, there are, are some uh, backlashes going on uh, because the Pope is a, a total phony beyond being a Marxist out of South America, he deliberately took the name Francis because he wanted to associate with Francis of Assisi. And uh, he's, in fact, the first Jesuit pope in the church's history. Now, who were the Jesuits? That's Ignatius Loyola. What did Ignatius Loyola create? The Inquisition. And what was the Inquisition? A, a court that condemned people, that tortured people, had nothing to do with Christianity. And of course, the Pope doesn't want to be associated with that. So he took the name Francis. Now, who was Francis of Assisi? Well, Francis of Assisi was from a very, very wealthy family. In fact, one of the wealthiest of families in Italy at the time. And he abandoned, gave away every single thing he owned, everything, his all of his clothes, his shoes, his money, everything, all his property, gave it all away and put on a brown cloth robe and be became a Franciscan. And, of course, that's why the Franciscans now wear a, ver a loose brown cover with simply a white rope tied around the middle. And, and of course, he, Francis of Assisi, then was the friend of the animal. He was the friend of nature. And, of course, that's why the Pope has taken on all of this. The Pope is using environment and Francis of Assisi uh, in order to advance his Marxist agenda. And, of course, the irony of it is 
that he's now associated with Obama and John Holdren and John Kerry, who are doing are, are doing exactly the same thing, but for a different agenda. And and of course, the, the what's what's uh, contradictory about it is that the Catholic Church and the Pope is supposed to be in f against uh, uh, abortion, against birth control, and yet those are all of the things that Obama and Holdren are promoting. The old saying that politics makes strange bedfellows was never more true than this um, devil's alliance. I mean, it, it is an unholy alliance between the Pope and his uh, phony taking on of Francis of Assisi and then coupling up with with the devil incarnate in, in Obama and John Holdren. Well, it's frightening, though, when they say they're going to have a legally binding universal agreement on climate. That yep. frightens me. The, the real irony of it is that, um, and, and I, I guess I, sh I, I touched a little bit of optimism, Cardinal Pell, for example who is an Australian cardinal and very and, and has a science degree. he's very knowledgeable and he's he's come right out and said the pope should not have said this we should not be involved in science it is not a place for the church but here's the interesting thing francis appointed cardinal pell to look into all of the corruption at the vatican bank People forget how corrupt the Vatican Bank was because the guy that was in charge of it, and I've forgotten his name, it was Belly or something like that, hung himself under a bridge in London under all sorts of scandals about how the money was being used and, and what was going on with the Vatican Bank. And so, of course, here's Cardinal Pell who's appointed by Francis to look into that corruption of the church, and he's now telling the Pope, look, we shouldn't be involved in the science. And, and, and of course, the other side of what's going on in the church, and I want you to think about this. Here's a group of men who will not allow women to be priests, who advocate celibacy, which is the most unnatural condition for man or woman, and yet they are telling people how to live their lives and how to behave in marriage. I have a friend who's a defrock priest because he was having trouble with, with sexuality uh, because a woman, uh, he was, he was actually preaching in the seminary in the, in the Vatican and a woman tried to seduce him and he'd never even thought about it before that. So he went to the, to his Bishop and said, look, I'm having problems with sexuality. And the Bishop said, you're on your own. And, and the, the guy, you know, the, this guy had traveled around. His first job as a new young priest in Ireland was to go and look after alcoholic priests and priests on drugs. But when he was having problems with sexuality, the church didn't want to know about it. And he said, you know, I now think, and, and he later got married, and, and here's the irony of that story. His name was Joseph, and he married a woman by the name of Mary. But he said, you know, now I'm a married man, and I think about, as a, as a priest, a celibate priest who had never had sex, knew nothing about women and nothing about marriage, and I'm teaching people, married couples. I mean, how insane can you get? Yeah. Alice in Wonderland couldn't be more bizarre than the Catholic Church, but this is what they're doing. The other irony, of course, of what's happening in, in Paris is that opposing uh, what the Pope is saying is communist China. 
because communist China said that they'll pay lip service. They say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they won't do anything about it. They're, they're building coal-burning pl plants at the rate of two a week. India has already come out and said, hey, we're not going to stop producing energy and burning coal. We've got greater priorities. We've got people starving to death. So when you've got two nations that represent almost a third of the world's population um, opposing what's going on in Paris, it's not going to happen. It simply isn't going to happen. Uh, but if it does, it will demonstrate how, how absolute the power is that these people have. This reminds me like the, um, the 1789 French storming the Bastille. Pope yep. Francis is reportedly leading a second American revolution. He's rallying people across the earth, middle class, as well as the poor, inciting billions to rise up in a global economic revolution. People are saying, oh, it'll sweep the planet, you know, in the generation since the Reagan revolution. Of course, you know, they're always talking about America's self-centered, that crazy capitalism, that consumer-driven mutant capitalism lost its moral compass. It just goes on and on. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, as you know, the left, the socialists, the Marxists, they never give up. And they will, they will, as Saul Alinsky said, if you have to lie to achieve the goal, then you do that. And, and uh, they, they will tell any lies. They will practice any deceit to achieve their goal. And, and of course, their goal is total uh, elimination of Christianity and total control of everybody that lives on the planet. But you see, here's another side of what's going on in the Vatican. They appointed uh, Benedict to be the Pope, because Benedict had already proven to them that he would not deal with pedophilia. As a priest, as a bishop, and then as an archbishop, he had deliberately ignored all reports to him of pedophilia. And of course, that's why they put him in as the, as the Pope. Because they said, hey, here's a guy that, that's on our side. Because you got to remember, how many of the cardinals are pedophiliacs? I mean, they got the highest percentage in the Catholic Church in any group in the world. And, and of course, it, it, who else would go there but celibates who can have access to altar boys and can have credibility in a community and not be suspected of anything? It's the perfect vehicle for pedophiles, and and of course uh, the cardinals then put in char put it put in a a bishop or, or pope that they thought would not uh, go after them, but Benedict got so much pressure from the outside world because of the pedophilia thing that he decided he better start doing something about it, and what's the next thing you know? Well, oh, I'm, I'm having health problems, and oh, I, I'm not going to finish out my term. He steps aside, and, it, and that was part of what was going on. It was part of the battles within the Vatican about who should control, and of course they pushed Benedict aside. And what do we hear now from, the, from Francis? Francis is saying, well, I'm not going to finish out my term. Well, isn't it stunning that the Washington Post just weeks ago, you talked yep. about that word pedophilia. They yep. were talking about how uh, BBC star Jimmy Savile allegedly got yep. away with abusing 500 children and sex with dead bodies. That's a Washington Post headline. Jimmy Savile apparently was 
Princess Diana and Prince Charles's marriage advisor. Yes. And and not only that, but he 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 served on uh, health boards and hospital boards and at several of the hospitals they set up a suite for him where he could go and sleep giving him access to the morgue and giving him access to the children that were in the hospital. I mean, he, he is, is, is people at the BBC knew what was going on. And now we're hearing about a, a, a Lord, a labor MP, a member of parliament who was, was involved with Jimmy Savile and was, was doing the same thing. And people at the time knew about it. And they had a, a, a lawyer, a woman who, who uh, was related to this Lord and she was put in charge of investigating it and said, no, there's nothing to prosecute here. And now she's being forced to admit that, yeah, she covered it up. She knew what was going on. I mean, it is evil personified from top to bottom of our political system, our religious system. The devil is everywhere. Bill Clinton was recently identified in a lawsuit against his former friend and pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, who had yep. regular orgies at his Caribbean of island course. there. Of course. And and who condoned that? Hillary. Hillary knew what was going on. In fact, she attacked the women that dared to speak out against Bill. She destroyed their lives. And now we see the same thing with Bill Cosby, where he, he told a prosecutor 10 years ago that he was using drugs and that, that he was uh, paying off women to keep them silent so his wife wouldn't find out. Well, it's always amazing how these British royal inbred families, they're all very perverted sickos, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Totally. I mean, look, look just look at the, the, the spread of, of hemophilia, uh, the, the, uh, the blood disease through, through Queen Victoria and all her ancestors married throughout the royalty of Europe. Did you uh, see the Nazi video spelling trouble for the Queen? Guess who was teaching them how to do the salute? Edward VIII. And who was Edward VIII? He was the guy that abdicated the Duke of Windsor, and the Duke of Windsor and Wallace Simpson went and visited with Hitler. They praised Hitler publicly. That was a major reason why they got rid of him as the king. It had nothing to do with, it had nothing to do with um, his, his marrying a divorcee. It had everything to do with his affiliation with, with Hitler and Edward Mosley and the brown shirts in England. That doesn't surprise me at all, that movie. And people can look this up. It's on theguardian.com. Just type in Queen's Nazi Salute Palace Exhibition. So a royal inquiry into the broadcast of footage of the seven-year-old queen at the time. She was giving a Nazi salute. And, of course, it was leaked during preparations for one of Buckingham Palace's own public exhibitions. I mean, it's quite stunning that, you know, we would never read these kind of headlines in the mainstream. And now there's these sci-fi headlines even in the mainstream. Yeah, but it doesn't change anything. We know about this stuff, but nothing gets done. I mean, just to give you an example, the, the royal family have put a court restriction on any DNA analysis of Prince Harry. Right. Because he's clearly the son of a, an English officer and Princess Diana. He's not Charles's son. And so what did the royal family do? They put a court ban on any DNA 
information about Prince Harry. Right. I mean, it, it is it is stunning in this age of supposed transparency and uh, elimination of aristocrat aristocrats and their power, uh, and that's that's all you need to know. So the 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 Nazi salute thing. Um, all they had to do was come out and say, "Yeah, it was Edward VIII that taught us to do it, and he was a, he was a Nazi sympathizer, and and that's the end of it." But they're not doing that. They're now trying to have it banned and trying to find out who leaked it, and they'll put them in jail, just like Hillary Clinton had that filmmaker with the Iran deal put in jail, right? Uh, when when he wasn't guilty of anything. But this is what they do. They have the power to find people and 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 make them targets, and 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 uh, there's nothing that they can do about it. It is truly evil. Well, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, doesn't it? Yes, and and the, you, you know the sentence that follows that one, Sheila, is that uh, Lord Acton, the sentence that followed that said, most great men are bad men. Most great men are bad men. It's true, isn't it? It is absolutely true. Well, Tim, as always, it's such a pleasure having you on the program. In the waning moments, Tim, give out your website for the listeners. My website is drtimball.com. That's D-R-T-I-M-B-A-L-L all lowercase.com and uh, I've got a whole variety of articles all around a thousand words that explain what's going on and how the corruption has gone on and of course then you can also read my book The Deliberate Corruption of Climate Science and then put that in conjunction with Sheila's book Green Gospel and you'll get a really good understanding of what's been done and how it's being done and that and also of course the motive that is becoming increasingly important. Well, and like you said, it's very timely because I'll tell you what, this insidious green agenda, it's a very malevolent agenda. And I think it is so important for people to understand that the cry to save the planet is nothing more than three things. It's eradicating Christianity, a one world global governance, and of course, the depopulation. It's always save the planet, kill yourself. That's really what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Quite frightening. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for coming on tonight. Well, thank you, Sheila. And as we said at the beginning, I really mean thank you for the opportunity. It's my pleasure, Tim. Folks, that was Dr. Timothy Ball. You can check out his handiwork at drtimball.com. His information is also linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Folks, I would be honored if you would pick up a copy today of Green Gospel, the New World Religion subtitle. I think it is a very, very important book, and I do hope that you support my work. I would also be honored if you would become a partner of this ministry. The donate information is located on my website. We have a great show this week, and of course, Friday, Pastor David Lankford It's going to be a fantastic show. And do sign up for my podcast. Of course, it's that pink button at weekendvigilante.com. Just click on that podcast button. And please do like me on social media. Those tabs are on the website as well. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight, folks. Good night and God bless.